Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. Today, I just want to talk as we're working our way through this planted series. We're going to have sort of a pseudo Christmassy mix today, but um, this last week, I I I just was really arrested by. Um, this one verse in particular, and we're going to just talk through that. I've been reflecting on it all week. So this message literally is like, this is like fresh buns. Of course, I always think about food coming out of the oven. And uh, so I am giving this to you as I am processing it myself. And I want you to turn with me, if you have a Bible, to the book of Acts and um, chapter nine. So I'm just gonna set up the context here because context is really important as we study and as we read the word. And let me just pray quickly as we do this. Jesus, we just humble ourselves under your authority, under you as the word that became flesh. And we just ask Holy Spirit that you would teach us to read and understand this word. We surrender our mind to you and our intellect to you. We surrender our understanding to you. And I just pray, Father, that this word would become life to those who hear it, that it would become life to me as you speak it in me and through me today. I just, I give you my mouth and my tongue and I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would deliver the truth that is on your heart for us to hear today. And so we love you, Jesus, and we love your word, amen. So the context, Acts chapter 9, this is shortly after this explosion of growth in the birth of the church, and um, this particular Pharisee named Saul was on a rampage to snuff out and destroy the Christian movement that had begun. He was on a war path, literally, to completely obliterate Christianity from the face of the earth. Anyone who would mention the name of Jesus or claim any uh, allegiance to Jesus was subject to his wrath and his judgment. And so the Bible literally says uh, in Acts chapter 8 that, that Paul was breathing murderous threats to those who said that they were Christians. And he went on this war path arresting people, uh, overseeing their execution, their stoning, and their death. And, uh, and he's on a real big roll, and, and he's on one of his larger assignments when he's sent from uh, Israel's capital, Jerusalem, to Damascus, that's north of Jerusalem, north of Israel, and he's on this mission to arrest anybody that he can find that is walking with Jesus, in relationship with Jesus. And on the way, on this road, some of you know this story, this bright light uh, shines and uh, blinds him. And he has this conversation with Jesus, and he says, who, who are you, Lord? Question mark. And The voice comes back and responds, I'm Jesus who you're persecuting. And in this exchange of words and in these moments, Jesus takes him 
and reformats him all in one sitting. Paul is blinded and uh, his associates have to lead him by the hand into Damascus where uh, he meets um, a follower of Jesus um, and that man prays for him. And, and so Paul has this radical transformation, this radical transformation from God. And then we pick it up in chapter nine near the end. Verse 31. Acts 9, verse 31. This is the verse that I just have been sitting in. So, so the so, so the so is what I just mentioned to you. The so is the context of everything that's come before in chapter 8 and the beginning of 9. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. And I just, I don't, I probably read that a hundred times, but I read that verse in those words and I just sensed the Holy Spirit saying to me, Andrew, if your church and if your life is going to be planted in my presence this year, if you're serious, about being planted in my presence this year, these are two non-negotiables. You need to teach and know how to walk in the fear of the Lord, and you need to understand how to walk in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. These are two foundational principles that are essential if we wanna grow spiritually. They were the foundation, as it says in Acts, for the multiplication, the growth, and the life of the church. If you want to experience spiritual life and renewal in more powerful ways, these are two foundational principles that are essential for that in our lives. What I love is that it, it starts this verse off by saying that there was peace because of the revelation that Paul had of the presence of Jesus. You see, peace always comes through a greater revelation of who Jesus is and what he carries. The presence of Jesus always carries with it his glory. And his glory is such, it's described all through the Bible. There's a reason that in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, when the Bible talks about the glory and the presence of God, oftentimes it talks about it being shrouded in a cloud. And the reason it's shrouded in a cloud is to hide it because we couldn't stand it if we saw it. If we witnessed the full measure of the glory of God, the Bible says we wouldn't even be able to live. And so Paul experiences this measure of Jesus that blinds him. No one else was blinded around him, but he experienced this powerful revelation of the glory and majesty of Jesus, enough so that he's blinded by the experience that comes with encountering Jesus. And that revelation brought peace. It brought peace to the church. It brought peace to Paul's life. 
We can lead, uh, read later on in 2 Corinthians. We read it this morning as a whole team where Paul is talking about the struggles and the trials that he's going through, the beatings and the torture and the abandonment and the emotional and physical distress he's in. But he says, it's all for good. It's all for life. How is it that Paul can experience the, the, literally the weight of the world in pain and suffering? and still walk in peace. It's because he's had a revelation of who Jesus is. And so in this verse in Acts, Luke the writer is outlining two things that are essential for you and I. If we're going to be planted in the presence of God and we're going to grow spiritually, these two things must happen. One. We have to walk in the fear of the Lord. I'm just gonna bring you through a brief, a very brief study in that. Oftentimes that word, the fear of the Lord, can seem so um, nebulous and, and hard to understand. But there's a few places in the Bible that talk specifically about that. Some of you may know Proverbs opens with a very famous verse, says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But that's not actually describing what the fear of the Lord is. It just describes what it carries with it. Later on in Proverbs chapter 8, Solomon actually specifically lays out what the fear of the Lord is. And I want to just read that with you. Proverbs 8 verse 13, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance and the way of evil. So the fear of the Lord is hatred toward evil. Okay, I just want you to follow me through this. This is a little bit of a windy path, but the fear of the Lord can also be used uh, in our English terminology to talk about reverence and awe. The fear of the Lord is revering the presence of God. It's revering God. But the non negotiable essential for walking in the fear of the Lord is hatred toward evil because you cannot be in the presence of God and be walking with sin in your life. It's actually impossible for God to dwell in the presence of sin. So if we're gonna walk in the fear of the Lord, the very first thing that needs to happen in our life is the refining fire of God, purifying our hearts and setting us apart for his purposes. God is inviting us as a church to understand what it means to revere and fear him, not in a fear of punishment and condemnation, but in this fear of reverence going, God, you are holy and where your holiness is, sin cannot dwell. God refuses, he will not partner with unclean and impure things. It's impossible for him. But we have this struggle and I have this struggle and you have this struggle as we've been talking about sowing and reaping these principles of the Bible. Oftentimes we sow things that um, gratify us, that, that are sinful. We sow things in our life that aren't gonna produce fruit in life and we sow them from Monday to Saturday night. Then on Sunday we get up and we come to church and we pray, we desperately ask God for that crop to fail because we want his goodness and his faithfulness in our life. 
But yet we spend so much of our time sowing into things that won't produce life or peace or fruit. The Bible is so clear that God's principle of sowing and reaping, it says in the Old Testament that you sow the wind and you're going to reap a whirlwind. Brenda read it a few weeks ago that God cannot be mocked. You will reap what you sow. It's a kingdom principle. It's an agricultural, a world principle. And so often in our lives, we, we sow into these things that, that God will not contend with, that he will not share his glory with. And then we come and ask him, God, would you, would you produce crop failure in those things and bring blessing to my life? I want to experience your growth. I want to experience spiritual life and vitality. And here in Acts Luke is laying it out for us. He says, you can't grow unless you walk in reverence and fear of the holiness of God. And that holiness is not about following a bunch of rules. It's not about doctrine or dogma. That holiness is about understanding that where the presence of God is, it comes with a demand for righteousness and purity. And we read about this all through the whole Bible. It says in James 4 verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. But we can't draw near to God and expect him to meet us if we're not living in reverence and fear and holiness in his presence. You and I can't have this cavalier, arrogant position to say, well, Jesus, your grace, it covers all of my sins, so I'm just going to live however I want. I'm just going to sow into the things that I want to because I'm relying on your grace, Jesus, to cover me. Sure, that might get you through the door in heaven, but God's spirit will never manifest itself in supernatural and powerful ways in your life if you're engaging in things that oppose his presence. If you and I are living lives that are contrary to the holiness and the righteousness of God, when we ask him to draw near to us, he will respect what we've already said and done and stay back. Of course, I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm talking about you and I stepping into a different level of spiritual life and growth. The Bible is very clear that we're saved by grace through faith. It's very clear. You and I cannot earn salvation. God doesn't have a, a whiteboard of, you know, the naughty versus nice kinds of things. Through what Jesus did on the cross, that was all abolished. But but what he's inviting you to is an unusual life in his presence and with his power. He's not inviting you to just coast through life and exist on the scraps that fall from the table. He's inviting you to step into something powerful, something exciting, something challenging, something that will actually rivet you and consume you. He's inviting you and I into the kind of relationship that's uncommon and not ordinary. 
But if we want to step into that kind of relationship, if we want to experience spiritual growth, we have to come back to revering and fearing the presence of God. And the very first thing that happens when God shows up on the scene is he comes with his refining fire and he puts his finger on things in our heart and in our life that need his touch. Often those are the very things that we shrink back in, we feel ashamed about, we feel unqualified because of them and we pull back from the kindness and the goodness of God. You know, the Bible says that God's presence is like a refining fire. It doesn't say he's uh, out of control forest fire that's destroying everything in its wake. That his refining fire is very accurate and very specific. And as we're able to handle and process things, he brings his refining fire into our life to bring to the surface those things that are going on deep inside of us that are actually withholding us from the fullness of the purpose and calling that he has for us. It's why as a church, we, we spend so much time and energy when it comes to worship. Because worship is an exercise in us revering and exalting God, inviting his presence and his holiness to come. You and I won't experience the spiritual growth and life that he has for us unless we live in the fear of the Lord. David said in Psalm chapter 5, this but I through the abundance of your steadfast love will enter your house I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you I want to read you from Isaiah chapter 11 this is speaking of Jesus specifically often we read these verses in the context of Christmas so here's my little Christmas Thing. Uh, Isaiah chapter 11, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, like a branch coming out. A branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. So we're about to hear the descriptions of what come with the spirit of the Lord. Spirit of wisdom, that actually, that word in the original Hebrew means skill. It actually means skill in war, specifically. Spirit of wisdom and understanding. Understanding is the intellect part of things. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So these are the things that Jesus walked with. And get this. Verse 3, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. I looked up that word delight in the original Hebrew language and you're, you're never gonna guess what it actually means. It means to smell. <laughs> I read that and I literally did a double take and I was like, what, that doesn't seem right. I was cross-referencing everything and checking, but actually that word delight means to smell. 
And the, the picture that, that Isaiah is painting is literally this sweet aroma that brings pleasure and joy to your life. I don't know about you, but I love any morning of the week when I'm in bed and my wife Rochelle gets up ahead of me and starts grinding the beans for coffee and starts making the coffee. I love that smell of the coffee as it makes its way from the kitchen to the bathroom. I love, obviously I love food. I love any baking right now. Rochelle is baking like crazy, which is a problem, but it's really good because I love the smell that comes with that. And there's this, this peace and this joy that comes with that familiar smell of cookies at Christmas and of steak on the barbecue and all of this. Man, I'm getting hungry. It's so good. And this is literally what Isaiah is talking about that the fear of God for Jesus was like this sweet smell that actually brought peace and brought rest, that it brought joy and it brought comfort, that actually the fear of God in his life was not only something that he tolerated, but something that brought him great pleasure and joy. Living in the reverence of God was like this sweet aroma in Jesus's life, it wasn't a hard thing. It was actually something that brought joy and peace. And so in Acts, Luke says that the first thing you need for growth is to live in the fear of the Lord, which is hatred toward evil, which means God. God, I want to be so close to you that anything in my life that stands in opposition to you that you would reveal it to me so that I can lay it down and allow the blood of Jesus to do its work. It's why every single day, as part of what I pray in the morning, I just invite the Holy Spirit to reveal anything in me that's grieved him or quenched his presence in my life. Because I want the fullest of the full that I can possibly endure of the presence of God. And I want to live in such reverence of his holiness that everything else is just pale in comparison. So the question for you and I is, are our homes a place where the fear of God and his reverence is experienced? Is your car and your workplace a place? Is your laptop and what you see on your screen a place where fear of God and reverence of his holiness are experienced. I can tell you one thing, that if you and I determine to live in greater proximity and closeness to the manifest presence of God, one, it will bring things to the surface of your life that you don't like or you didn't even know were there but it's actually the kindness of God, like a master craftsman to bring the, the impurities to the surface of the gold and then to just scrape them away so that there's nothing blocking, there's nothing hindering our relationship with Jesus. If you wanna grow spiritually in 2019, can I challenge you to pray the dangerous prayer of search me, O God, and know my heart. 
test me and know my ways and my thoughts and see if there's anything in me, anything at all in me, anything I've believed in, anything I've said or done or watched or place I've gone that is opposed to your presence. And if we do, by the grace and the kindness and the love of God, he will come in and he will remove that from between us. That's the power of grace and the power of the cross. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come. The second thing that Luke mentions is that the church lived in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. That word comfort is paraclete. It's the same word the Bible uses to talk about the Holy Spirit himself. But that word is used to say it's, this is not just an emotional feeling. This is actually to live, to live in the support and the strength of the Holy Spirit. What he wants to do in your life and in my life is to actually carry us. I don't know about you, but I live, so often I live under the weight of everything that's going on around me and in me and through me. And, and so often I feel like I need to get into fix-it mode or I need to get into problem-solving mode or I need to just apply a wise decision to this area of my life and this decision and this thing at home and this thing at work and this thing with my children and all of these things and I feel the weight of that. And what this is saying is that in order for us to grow, we need to understand that not only do we need to live in the reverence and the fear of God, but we need to slow down and allow the Holy Spirit to come in and lead us so that he can carry the weight of what you're experiencing in your life. That word paraclete is literally to assist. He wants to come around you and behind you and under you and carry the weight of what you're experiencing. He's inviting you and I to slow down, to slow down and ask him, what do you wanna do with this? What do you want to do with that? If there's no striving or no anxiousness or uh, no anxiety in the presence of God, then why do we live such anxious lives? Why do we buckle under the weight of ginormous decisions and, and these changing, shifting sands around us? Why are we living less than God has invited us to? We're being crushed in our culture by anxiety and fear. And the invitation is not just to be smarter and do more. The invitation is to allow the presence of God and the Holy Spirit to carry you and to lead you, to get ahead of you, so that he can show you where to go and what decisions to make. And with that comes his comfort. With that comes his peace and his rest. My heart is so burdened every day for the people that I see and I meet that are literally being crushed under the weight of fear and anxiety. There's just scrambling for oxygen and for breath. 
And the invitation from Jesus here is, would you live in reverence and awe of my holiness? Would you live in close proximity to me and allow me to address the things in your life that are holding you back? And then would you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you? His presence always leads to obedience. He's not asking for you to know it all or have it all figured out. He's not asking you to make decisions for tomorrow or the next day or the next month. He's not asking you for your 20-point strategic plan for how you're going to be successful in the next year. He's just asking, would you allow me to lead your life? Would you step into my rest and in my peace? Would you lay down that anxiety and that struggle and that striving and the weight of all of the world that you're carrying and allow me to carry it for you? I want to lead you. And it's as the early church allowed the Holy Spirit to lead it along that it experienced growth and life and peace and hope and joy. I believe that in this next year, God wants to teach us in deeper ways these principles of allowing him to lead us, but teaching us to walk closer to his presence. He won't manifest himself in a place where he's not welcome. He won't draw near if there's garbage going on in our life. I don't want you just to get by. I want you to experience the supercharged power of the peace and joy and life of Jesus. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.